Cheerscast is part of the Fire and Water Network. Pardon me. Oh, hi. I'm looking for a Diane Chambers. Uh, you're in luck. We got a Diane Chambers. I beg your pardon? I hope you only want one. <laughs> do you sense, as I do, that this conversation is an exercise in futility? Oh, thank you very much. My name is... My name is Ernie Pantuso, but you can call me Coach. Rebecca Prout. Hi, Becky. Diane and I shared a suite at Bennington. No kidding. Sam and I shared a chunky bar in Cleveland. <laughs> Making your way in the world today takes everything you've got. Taking a break from all your worries sure would help a lot. Wouldn't you like to get away? Sometimes you want to go where everybody knows your name. And they're always glad you came. You want to be where you can see. Our troubles are all the same. You want to be where everybody knows your name. Welcome back to Cheers Cast, the podcast where everybody knows your name. You know mine is Ryan Daly, and joining me this time is the host of the Four Who Rule, a Seinfeld podcast, and several other shows on the Right On Network. Please welcome Ashford Wright. What's up, Ashford? What's up, Ryan? Hello, everyone. I'm glad to be here. Yeah, thank you very much for coming on the show. And before we go any further, I have to give you a little bit of credit. And you and Rob Kelly are probably the two people who are most responsible for me finally doing this show and getting it started this year. I've been talking about this forever, but you guys motivated me. Rob, because he finally took the plunge and started his MASH cast to coincide with the 35th anniversary of that show's ending, well, he forced me to start Cheers Cast this year, too, to coincide with the 25th anniversary of the end of Cheers. But you, Ashford, I heard you talk up the possibility that I would start this podcast on your Seinfeld show. Uh, so that really, I mean, once other people start talking about it, I was like, okay, I gotta do it. You know, you're building up the hype. But you said that you wanted to start watching or rewatching. I'm not sure, when I started the podcast. Is that right? That is correct. I actually have three podcasts where... The basis basically is I want to revisit this property, so I'm going to do a podcast as an excuse. So when you mentioned Cheers, <laughs> I was like, "All right, that'll be my excuse. So I'll watch it with them." What was your experience? What has been your experience with the show before now? Uh, I mean, have you watched the show, or did you just dive into it when I announced that I'm doing this when I when I invited you on the show? No, I, I'm 39 years old right now, so you know I grew. I, I was born in 1979, and I watched a lot of television. Um, I watch less now, so all the popular shows like Game of Thrones or you name it, I haven't seen it. But back then, I watched TV a lot, and I would watch the Emmys, which I don't do now. Mm -hmm. And Cheers would always win, and I knew that it was a show that was – you know, that that was worthy of your time. And I think I finally dived into it maybe like in 1988, 1989. I was like, oh, I like this. But I haven't revisited in a long time. And I remember being a big fan of Christy Alley. So um, going back and watching this run of it is pretty exciting. 
Yeah, cool. <laughs> well, I'm glad that you'll be able to uh, to dive into some of the original episodes and some of the early stuff, which very, uh, I mean, not so tonally different, but I think as we'll discover, and I, you kind of mentioned it to me, um, there's a little bit of a rawness to some of the, the early stuff. Um, yeah, so we are talking about episode six of the first season titled Any Friend of Diane's. Uh, this episode was written by Ken Levine and David Isaacs, who are the co-producers of the show, directed by James Burroughs. The original air date was November 4th, 1982. Rebecca Prout, one of Diane's best friends from college, comes to Cheers looking for Diane, who at first tries to hide the fact that she's working at the bar. Rebecca had already learned the truth of Diane's employment, though, and came looking specifically for Diane's help. Rebecca's boyfriend recently dumped her, and now, to mend her broken heart, she wants a simple sexual rebound relationship with an uncomplicated man. And one look at Sam across the bar makes him her target. Despite Diane's efforts to keep them apart, Sam leaves the bar with Rebecca. Two hours later, Sam returns, and, after torturing Diane with vague hints as to what may have happened between them, he finally confesses that he left without sleeping with Rebecca. He does not say that he snuck out. Rebecca returns to Diane, feeling even more rejected and even more devastated. To spare her feelings, Sam and Diane tell her they've been seeing each other in secret. The lie proves convincing when Rebecca mistakes their hostility toward each other for passion. And that basically is any friend of Diane's. So, Ashford, what did you think of this episode? One, Ryan, is when I I watched the episodes before this one leading up to Any Friend of Diane. I, every time I say that or read that, I want to say Any Friend of Diane is a friend of mine. <laughs> I just want to complete it. Yeah. Oh, one thing I really I, I have forgotten how good Shelley Long was. <laughs> that, is, that is the the popular refrain. And I think because. Uh, I think a lot of people do remember some of the later years with Kirstie Alley, and Kirstie Alley was a hot item at that time. She was a sex symbol. Everybody liked her. And I think it was very easy for people to kind of dismiss and forget about Diane. But yeah, every episode, every time I record one of these things, everybody's like, oh my god, Shelley Long is good. And she really is. Diane, this story, I mean, so far, the first, and then I, I continued on, this is Diane's story. This is her journey from, especially it's it's highlighted um, definitely in this episode as far as her upbringing mm-hmm. and what she's around, almost to the point where I was a little grossed out, like when she <laughs> met her old friend Rebecca, who um, who's who's funny herself. She she does a good job. She does a guest appearance on this show called The League. She plays one of the guys' mothers, but. Um, there was a situation where she saw Rebecca for the first time and she, I guess Diane was ashamed of working at Cheers. Mm-hmm. So she threw away her apron and sat with her. <laughs> I love that. Saw, I love that bit. When yeah. she, I love the bit when she takes it, when she sees her and she takes off the apron and throws it at a table with the customers. Yeah. This, I mean, Shelly Long, I mean, this is Shelly Long show so far, but it, uh, it, when Carla walked up, Diane, this was very disturbing to me. She was like, okay, I need to fit in with my friend. My friend is kind of my identity. Mm-hmm. What would make her relate? Oh, I'm going to call Carla the servant girl. <laughs> and, it, it, you know, when 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 I'm going back and watching Seinfeld, and I knew this, but you just realize, like, man, their cynical take on just society itself. <laughs> and as I'm watching Cheers and the Diane character with her highfalutin, 
it's kind of like this is just a study taking shots at, I guess, a type of societies where like a Bob Dylan song would take shots at. <laughs> Yeah, like the the sort of – and again, this is one of the – she threads the line so easy because you see her fall back into her own prim and proper erudite but very snobbish behavior. And and she instantly tries to cover up by, yeah, putting down Carla and putting down the sort of blue-collar clientele of this bar that she would never be associated with, which she knows is a lie. She's a total hypocrite. And it would be – again – it would be so easy to not like Diane, but Shelley Long's performance is so good that you buy into it and you love her. She, she's awesome, and you know, man, just and I started watching like interviews with her and just you know, her comedic timing, mm-hmm. her presence. Like for a woman like this, she's relatively a young woman at that time, and the fact that she had presence with this ensemble cast, uh, quite impressive. Yeah, yeah. When she's uh, when she's trying to fake uh, Rebecca out when she's talking to Carla and like pretending to like give her order. She's winking at Carla from like the side of her face that Rebecca can't see trying to get Carla to go along with it. It is such a weird, like the way, what she does with her face, it's almost like she's winking with both eyes out of sync with each other. It almost looks like she's being electrocuted. Uh, it actually reminds me that later on in the series, they'll, they'll explore that Diane has a, a nervous facial tick that pops up from time to time. And you see, it's a very similar thing. So I wonder if this was just something that Shelley Long is able to do with her face that the, the, the writers or the producers picked up on. And they're like, we got to give her excuses to do more stuff. Because when she's winking at Carla, it's like her, her left eye is like twitching and her right eye is kind of hmm. blinking. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. She's an awkward woman. I think she's playing the character very, like the character is awkward. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, when you watch Shirley Long and other things, I think that's how I came into Cheers. I think I saw Shelley Long in movies first, mm-hmm. and then backdoored into Cheers. Yeah, she was in a she was in a couple, and of course she left Cheers. Uh, spoilers alert: she she leave Cheers after five years to pursue a film career that did not take off. Um, but like I, yeah, I remember she was in the movie Late Shift with Henry Winkler and Michael Keaton. It was actually Michael Keaton's first movie, um, yes. and and that was really really good. You mentioned Rebecca and and her um, the actress who plays her is Julia Duffy, who I remember mostly from being on Newhart, not the new Bob Newhart yes. show, but Newhart, the one that came out later in the eighties. She was on that for like the whole run or so, like seven or eight years. Uh, for the behind the scenes thing, the, my uh, Cliff Clavin, it's a little known fact. Julia Duffy auditioned to play Diane Chambers. Uh, she I was one of that. the finalists. Uh, to play that role, opposite I think Fred Dreyer, who was Dave Richards, Sam's friend in the Latin, in, in episode four. So we're kind of seeing them together. Like, what would have happened if this actress who had, had played Diane? And I think she would have been good. But yeah, you can you can clearly see how great Shelley Long is in this one. I think the tone would have been differently. I think uh, again, like with Shelley Long, mm-hmm. she's walking that tightrope of could this be a likable character? If she has her nose up at everyone, but she juxtaposed that with the awkwardness and kind of uh, the humanity and showing this wheel of maybe this character might arc going through this. And I think with the other woman, I think when she did her little digs, I think it would have cut a little deeper. Mm -hmm. Now, I want to ask you a question about Cliff Clavin, if you remember. Mm hmm. 
Um, doesn't it seem like he has like a really thick kind of <laughs> accent at the beginning and they might round that out a little bit later? They do. Or am I imagining that? No, no, you're not imagining it. At first, when when the show begins, it almost seems like he's the only one doing a Boston accent. No, they have some extras in there that's kind of yeah. um, chalking it up a little bit too. Um, but his is certainly because he's, his part is bigger than so many of the extras. They really laid on and they, he, he's really coming across that way. And yeah, his – his voice and the the cadence of his voice and the accent will round off uh, as the show goes on later on in different seasons. I um, love that because uh, it makes it sound like he's from the neighborhood mm-hmm. and gives it gives it that authenticity. Yeah, and, and I'm glad you brought him up because I really the teaser for this episode. It starts off the phone is ringing. Coach is at the other end of the bar and he tells Cliff to answer it for him. And Cliff picks up. He's like, cheers. And he ends up giving the phone to Carla because it's something from home. And it's a great teaser because Carla picks up the phone and she's, and it's, it's one of those things we've talked that coach is able to do this, but Carla does it brilliantly where it's a one-sided conversation is this brilliant thing of like a trick in, in comedy where if you can have a character talking on the phone and you get both parts, you get the setup and the punchline just from one character. It's so well done. And Carla nails it. And she's like, what? Serafina's where? We'll cut her down. I don't care if it does fix the television reception. Cut her down. And she's talking, that was awesome. she's talking with one of her kids. Um, it's brilliant. So for a couple of things in this scene with a teaser. One, we've known so far that at this point in the show, Carla has four kids. We get the first name of the character. Serafina uh, is the first one that we actually get a name for. And she will actually become a character that we will see in later seasons. Uh, I think she shows up in two, two episodes. She's played by Leah Rimini. Yes, from King of Queens, she was in like the summer beach season of Saved by the Bell. Bell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, (laughs) yeah, she, yeah, she's terrific. So it's kind of funny that we hear her mentioned for the first time here, uh, and we'll actually see her later on. Um, And then back to Cliff. Like this whole thing is just between Carla and Cliff. And it's funny because at this point in the show, John Ratzenberger was not a full time cast member. He isn't in the opening credits. Uh, he kind of talked his way onto the show as as a semi-regular in this first season. But it's clear that they knew right from the get-go that, yeah, he, he can hang. Because this, this teaser is pretty much just him and Carla. And he does really well. He sets up the comedy really well in this one. You know, hey, let's talk about George Wentz's character, even though um, yeah. I'm still not done with Diane. <laughs> okay, so with his storyline, he is – I want to talk about because – Right now, Cheers, especially like where we are on Seinfeld, is kind of like we're at the point where it's just that one note mm-hmm. until it starts kind of varying a little bit. So with Cheers, you know, they're still trying to get their rhythm. And let me ask you another question. So I asked you about Cliff Clavin. Like, did he kind of ramp up the accent a little bit? Mm-hmm. What about with uh, Norm? I noticed he's playing it buzzed like these first several episodes. But I think further down the line, he's not playing it as if he's buzzed at the bar, right? Yeah, it's there's there's sort of just like a permanence about him <laughs> with, later on where you think, like it doesn't matter what he's drinking he's just like that you you don't it like nothing phases him later on like he's just sort of like a sort of sedentary part like a fixture in the bar um, that you could just be like pumping anything down his mouth and it wouldn't it doesn't really change him. So um, let's say this about uh, this particular character. He invites his boss <laughs> to the workplace. I mean, to uh, Cheers. And what I end up seeing, like, it's really about this character just struggling to deal. <laughs> yeah. You know, he's avoiding going home uh, with his boss is like, I need to drink just to get through this. Mm-hmm. 
just to deal with people. Yeah, mm. and, well, and and the setup for that is he he comes in early on and he says, "Hey, I've got to invite my boss or my new superior to kind of impress him," and he's just going to kind of talk and socialize with him to help himself out at work. But he he coaches the other guys. He's like, "Don't act like you know me. Don't act like I'm here every day for hours at a time. I don't <laughs> want them to think I'm a barfly. I Meaning, I don't want them to think I'm an al- I'm a functioning alcoholic, basically." So he has to like re- like encourage them. And as soon as he walks in, Coach almost gives it away by shouting, no, uh, no, no. He starts like kind of like singing like a melody or whatever. And like the fact that he can only drink one beer like the entire time, that's what he's like pretty much budgeted himself for without embarrassing himself. But as soon as he sits down with his boss, they like clink their glasses together. And Norm downs the whole mug in one gulp. And he's like, let's talk. And later on you see him, he's like tapping the mug against his hand to try and get the last drops out. Because, hey, like, I'm going to tell you something. Yeah. That was played for laughs, <laughs> but that was very poignant because I'm still going through it with that character with him, like, dealing with just society. Yeah. Like, he just can't deal. Yeah, it's like, it's, it's, it's something like, I, I think for the suspension of disbelief, they can <laughs> never really hang the lamp on Norm's alcoholism. Like they, they talk about Sam being a recovery alcoholic. I, I think once once you really, if you drew that much attention to Norm and how much he drinks throughout the show, you're like, no, this guy would have cirrhosis of the liver by season two, and he would be dead. Uh, like, like you, you can't. Like, nobody kind of, like, functions in society like this, so they have to kind of keep it lighthearted. But you do see in this one how much it pains him not to have another drink, just to kind of get through this conversation with his boss. Even though it's by his own design that he's going to limit himself to one drink, he has to break that rule as soon as possible. You know what's very impressive about this show is the tradition of when Norm walks in, they yell Norm and they go, how's it going, Norman? And he goes, you know, is like a baby's diaper or whatever. Like that whole routine that started at day one. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yeah, I love yeah. that. In this one, he said, caught me in bed with his wife. <laughs> yeah, that's that's how life is. How's life treating you? Like it caught me in bed with his wife. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. Uh, it, we mentioned that uh, Norm comes in with his boss, Mr. Stabell, who for this one is played by Macon McCalman. Um, he's had tons of TV work, including an episode of Lois and Clark. Um, I always mention that just because I figure a lot of our listeners are probably fans of that. He appeared in the movies also. He appeared in Smokey and the Bandit. He appeared in Deliverance uh, and Fried Green Tomatoes. Um, so he's had quite a extensive career, but he's just not somebody that, that really stands out. We've mentioned it before and we'll continue to. Like, Cheers was always very generous about giving guest stars really funny lines and really interesting bits. And when this guy walks in, Mr. Stabell, when he, like, at first he's just, he's a suit, he's Norm's boss, he seems so boring and you don't really think much of him. But, but in just a few really small scenes, you see him starting to loosen up and he's ordering more drinks and he starts to kind of loosen up. And he's, and he's talking about, he's like, I really wanted to be a dancer, Norm. Yeah. And, and later on, when they're in the, when Sam and Diane are in the back office and she opens the door to call Rebecca in, you don't even even see this guy in Norm. You don't even see Mr. Stabell. You just hear his voice saying, the children always laughed at me, but don't they always make fun of the sensitive guy or the graceful kid? Oh, gosh. Yeah, but it's so it's so good what they can do with their guest characters. Yeah. In, in the space, like, let's say this again, like with sitcoms now, they can start off off the gate mm-hmm. with like four extravagant sets. 
And I'm just impressed with they they're doing an ensemble cast with just basically they're at Cheers mm-hmm. and coming up with new ideas. It, it's very impressive. I think something that's very understated. I just think I find the humor in Diane's and her and Rebecca's their wardrobe, like they're wearing these <laughs> kind of Puritan yes. little house on the prairie type outfits like they're hitting you over the top with their New England background and yep. them being upper crust and whatever with, um, yes, I was dating this guy and he was reciting, writing Russian poetry. <laughs> something about, uh, you know, this Christmas we went hungry or something. <laughs> yeah, another Christmas of agony. When, yeah. she, when the last line of the poem is, at least this year we eat. It's like, oh my God. At least this year we eat. And uh, when Rebecca mentioned that, you know, I just want to have uh, uninhibited uh, night of passion with some baboon or whatever. She <laughs> well, mentioned like this is what I'm looking for. She said it must be peasant stock. Yes, now, I love hold it. on, guys. <laughs> I know what they're trying to lampoon, but I got to stick up for <laughs> the well-educated New England upper crust high society that uh, that appear in Vampire Weekend songs or whatever. <laughs> I don't think they would say that. I'm looking for peasants. <laughs> I, I know, but I love that line so much. And especially when later on you understand that she's applying it. She's basically describing Sam. But yeah. Like, where he comes out and he's being an ape. Right, right. Um, yeah, like the, she's like one syllable words. And the first thing she hears him say is, damn, because like the, he's trying to uncork a bottle of wine or something. But yeah, I know. Yeah, when she's, the man I'm looking for must be peasant stock. I was like, oh, God. That's awesome. I'm yeah. like, man, these writers are, they really can't stand like this type of person. It's something. Mm-hmm. Because, oh my gosh, something something I'm looking forward to on this uh, Cheers journey is watching the understated heroism of Ted Danson because he's surrounded, that actor is surrounded by all these characters. They're colorful. So it could make him come off as, well, this guy's just kind of just one note, kind of boring. But he's doing some really good acting. He does, and and I wanted to talk about them because once we get to their scene, once they go to the back office, Sam and Diane are so good in this episode. Um, and I would say uh, after the pilot episode, which is an extraordinarily good episode for a series as long as it is, the fact that the, the first episode was that good, of the first six episodes, this is my second favorite. Um, and there's a lot of good, like, peppered throughout this episode, but the interaction between Sam and Diane once they get to the back office is great. First, when he reveals that he didn't sleep with her and she doesn't believe him and he has to explain it. And she's like, oh, you were actually being noble. He's like, no, I was just bored by her. <laughs> he, like, yeah. he makes, he's like, those dismal Russian poems, they don't even rhyme. <laughs> he's like, um, but then... The moment when when she Diane comes back and she's like, "You're a pig." He's like, "I didn't even move. What did I do?" Because she knows that he basically snuck out on uh, Rebecca because he was so repulsed by her and and how uptight she was and the poems and everything that he snuck away and she's feeling bad. They have to convince her that they're a couple, and the last couple of minutes, just the way they're interacting when Diane is like, yeah, I know he doesn't seem like my type, but I was tired of dating really educated and intelligent people. I want someone thick and ordinary. And she pats Sam on the shoulder. And he's like, I'm tired of tired of dating you know, beautiful supermodels. I want somebody pleasant. And he kind of like pats her on the butt. 
And what it plays up when he gets her to tie his shoe. Yeah. And he's like, can you tie my shoes? Like doing like this baby talk. And he just kind of like holds up and she gets down on her knees. I don't know if it was just amazing bit of comic acting by Ted Danson or if she actually hurt him, but she draws his shoelaces so tight. The look of discomfort on his face as he's still trying to have a smile for Rebecca's benefit is so genuine. I was like, wow, that is brilliant. That moment just her ripping his, pulling his shoelaces. And he's like, ah, that's a little tight, honey. <laughs> he's like, so good. See, this is the beauty of you know, you know, now we'll we'll watch TV shows with young people and like they're kind of fresh off the streets. Mm-hmm. And this is a show where like, man, I've done at least ten years of experience, so this show is new to you, but I'm not new to acting, so I'm ready to go and I have chops. You yeah. know, like uh, I didn't realize uh, Shirley Long was a part of Second City Television. She did Groundlings. Yeah, yeah. So now this all makes sense. I mean, and you know, her film career didn't pan out, but let's not forget Beverly Hills Troop and the <laughs> Brady Bunch. Yes, when she played the mom. Oh my yeah. gosh, with the yeah. innuendos. Oh, she was so good in that. <laughs> and I want to talk about this as far as like little small things that they do where we get to learn more about the character when. Uh, Rebecca, when she walked out the room, and Diane immediately takes a swing at yes. Sam. <laughs> I mean, and it was ferocity. Yeah, I mean, she, she tried to. She did. That's like a like that's like a right cross from all the way across the room. Like she just and and what I liked about that is it looked like she knew what she was doing. So with her upbringing, it's kind of showing you that she had a well rounded education. So I did horseback riding. I studied. Um, existential uh, literature, existential Russian literature or whatever, right? Motifs. And I also did pugilism. <laughs> you know, I was a pugilist. Like, that's something they probably would do. Like, I did shotgun archery or whatever. So I think that added it to the character because it's also letting you know, like, yes, is she prim and proper? But she can also defend herself. And we'll see them do that kind of physicality stuff throughout the run oh yeah yeah and going back to the question that we added we asked earlier about julia duffy and if she had ended up getting the part of diane and how different it would be you know julia duffy is beautiful and she's funny we see we see that in this episode in like newhart but she's very soft and and innocent she's she's just like a, a flower you, you, you know you just kind of see that diane has a lot of those same qualities, but you also get the sense of the the hint of an edge and the sel- the sense of strength and self preservation. Like I don't imagine Julia Duffy could ever throw a punch like that, and and the, just the the punch she sails at him, and like how quick it is, and he ducks, and they end up he kind of like tackles her sort of clumsily onto the couch, and Rebecca walks in and just assumes that they're like again assumes that they're. Like in the caught up in this moment of passion, it's yeah that, that comedy be the physical comedy that it devolves into at the end is is earned for one thing because you've seen it kind of building up to that point where they both just explode at that moment. So I love the line where uh, Rebecca goes, "Oh, Diane, you could always see through my <laughs> facade of gaiety." <laughs> She's crying too. Like, yeah, yeah, she starts crying after like the poem. Diane's like, "What's wrong?" She's like, "You can always see through my facade of gaiety." It's like you're crying. Obviously, I love that. Okay, let's talk about this. Okay, as much as I love Diane and Shelley Long, I think she was out of line 
with patronizing Sam Malone, which is an awesome name. <laughs> when she's like, you know, you're a great guy. The fact that you you walked out of there without sleeping with her, you have dignity. You are decent. Now, wait a minute. Hold on. Wait, wait, wait. So far from what we've watched, what has Sam done? Like, is he kind of like a slime ball when he's hitting on the women? But it seems like they have like a mutual agreement. You know, he's paying his workers on time. I thought that was kind of, you know, decency won out with you. Like, usually you're awful. I'm like, whoa. Yeah, they, uh, <laughs> yeah this, seems, this seems to be a thing that we've, we've seen or we've heard more evidence of than we've actually seen at this point. Um, because we've heard a lot about his womanizing at this point early on in the, the series. It's like, yeah, she might have been – that might have been a little uncalled for to, to – to say like this was his first shred of decency or or doing the honorable thing like that's out of character for him. She said you were noble. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like he was twelve. <laughs> <laughs> you were noble. <laughs> we uh, but we also I mean we find out in this in this one you know before Rebecca even shows up that Diane has been on a date with a classmate of hers and everything and do we think Sam might be a little bit jealous? He kind of starts like taking little shots at her and like the way she's, she, she says that, you know, she went to a, a nice little New Hampshire inn that they stayed in where John Adams stayed. And Sam's like, yeah, a lot of guys signed the register that way. Yeah. So I, I like that. He's kind of like taking shots at her dates and everything like that. And is it just for fun or is it uh, jealousy? We've kind of seen, we've seen her be uncomfortable when he's around other women. And certainly this one, you could chalk it up to the fact that she had a personal friendship with Rebecca that she didn't want him, him to be with her. But when he's gone out with other women, she's, she's disapproved of it. And now he seems to be disapproving of her with other men. It's like, yeah, they're not acknowledging their attraction for each other in as, in as many terms, but they are kind of criticizing when they, whenever they kind of step out with somebody else. So, that's building. That's that's why this subplot of of their kind of romance is growing throughout the entire season. I took out Taffy and we went sailing <laughs> on marble at marble. Yeah, she yeah she can't believe that Sam's actually been like sailing. That he's an accomplished, you know, like yeah. part of his personality, which comes back again. Like we find out that you know Sam does he is a sailor and he this is something that he is experienced at. Yeah, he wears the shirts with the little air vents in the back. <laughs> so. Yeah, I, I mean, I could, if we could just go through this like line by line and talk about it. But I know, like, what about the ordinary people joke? Oh God, yeah, Carla. She's like, I love sailing. Ever since I saw Ordinary People, I've been trying to get my kids to do it. You see the look of <laughs> repulsion on Sam's face. You're like, oh, Carla, no. <laughs> like, like he's like, I love that because it's like that is a bad line, but they actually call attention to it. He's like, no, over the line. That was too much. Don't. So if you're kind of like, well, why were they so grossed out? They're like, go watch that movie. Yeah, exactly. Yeah, like I said, I just I I like this episode a lot. I, I love the interaction between Sam and Diane at the end when they're trying to fool Rebecca. I, I think it's it's telling that the writers of this episode, Ken Levine and David Isaacs, were producers on the show. They were right, like kind of like directly underneath the show's creators, Glenn and Les Charles. And I think we'll see for a while that the best episodes are written by you know those four guys. Uh-huh. So I think, and I think that's probably because of their involvement, you know, they, they weren't just, you know, part of the writing staff. They were kind of, uh, I, I think, I think those guys had a better handle on the characters. Um, so we do get little bits to examine, you know, reveal new aspects of their characters, but also a lot of their lines feel more true, feel more on point. 
Um, so that's, that really helps. Yeah. And because they're producers, they understand the constructs of the show and they know like budget wise, what right. can actually be done. Right. And the, the, the strengths of the different actors and cast members. Yeah. 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 What they can do. Yeah. Wow. Yeah. I look forward to this. Yeah. Um, any other notes on this episode before we, uh, before we hit our superlative categories? Yeah, just one thing, and it, this is, I know we're hopping around, but when Norm kissed his boss <laughs> on the head for like, yes, you know, the boss said, I want another drink, and he kissed him on the head. Again, that was kind of surrealism, right? Like, yep. you know, that that kind of breaks character, but at the same time, I, that was played for laughs, but I'm really feeling for Norm here with, uh, man, I'm just trying to deal with society. You'll see another episode where his work, pe- the people from his workplace, they show up at Cheers, mm-hmm. and he stands out like a sore thumb. Norm does, so I'm kind of feeling for him. With like, I'm a part of, uh, you know, I work at a job, and apparently something with his marriage or something. <laughs> he just can't deal. Mm-hmm. And I-, I can't wait for the first episode when it's a mainstay for it's Norm and Cliff. Right next to each other, having a drink. Because right now, like, Cliff is all over the place. Right. And Norm and Cliff actually have a little scene together in this one where they're basically just comparing what they like about their jobs. And, you know, the the, the wonder, like, for Norm as an accountant, you know, how much it means to him, like, when he can save, you know, somebody, uh, you know, on their taxes or something. And, and Cliff is like, you know, when it really gets me in the feels when I, you know, deliver that the letter to some old hag on Mother's Day or something like that. And, and um, just one more thing, because we haven't mentioned this. Uh, coach, his timing is his comedic timing is brilliant. Oh yeah, oh yeah. When, oh, when when Rebecca walks in, she's I'm looking for a Diane Chambers. Like we've got a Diane Chambers. Do you just need one? Like, yeah, this guy's brilliant because he's doing that kind of uh, like absent-minded professor, mm-hmm. you know, spaced out thing. It's almost where it's confusing. It's like, is this guy pulling my leg? No, he's serious. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And he seems like kind of it seems like that character and Cliff Clavin with Cliff Clavin. He always does those facts. Right. right. Those two characters put together. That's when we're going to start getting St. Ola. (laughs) Right. With Betty White's character on uh, Golden Girls. Yeah. Yeah. Not to take anything away from that franchise. I'm just saying. All right. Well, uh, moving on. Norm's tab, uh, which I have to put a little bit of asterisk on this one. Uh, within this episode, based on my calculations of like when he starts a beer, when he finishes it, allowing for, I'm going to say that he had four beers in this episode, and that is allowing for the fact that he actually gets a pitcher of beer at one point, which we have to assume is a lot more. But what we see him at least with uh, is four beers, uh, which brings him up to 20 beers for the whole series that he has had uh, just in these first six episodes. Wow. Yeah. Uh, we're going to see how, how far this balloons and, and what the realism is by the time we get to season 11. Um, Ashford, who is your employee of the week this time? Which character did you think was the funniest or which actor did you think had the best performance in this episode? Okay, well, I'm going employee of the week, Carla, because she's working a job <laughs> while she has four kids at home. <laughs> and that's some real stuff right there. Yeah. I don't have children. I'm just saying. <laughs> um, yeah, for me, uh, this one I had to give it. It's a tie to Sam and Diane just because of their scene at the end. 
Um, everything with like pretending to like each other with the shoelace tying, the the punch, the fight, um, their whole interplay, I, I think was just wonderful. And and Diane with the physical comedy, with you know winking and, and trying to pretend like she's not part of the bar, I just think they both did a fantastic job. So I love, and I have to give it to both of them because of their interplay. Sam and Diane are the employees of the week for me. Uh, what about your home run? What did you think was the funniest bit or funniest gag in this episode? I think, um, and I'm usually a guy that likes uh, good dialogue, but mm-hmm. I think uh, Shirley Long taking that swing at yeah. um, Sam Malone and, and Sam Malone not kind of telephoning it in, like as far <laughs> as like we didn't see that coming, that's that's good, just comedy. Like, yeah. gosh, this is, man, like, you know, for a, a millennial or whatever, that's like, okay, I hear about the show Cheers, what's the big deal? Mm-hmm. I think this holds up. Yeah. Oh, oh, I, I, I absolutely do. I think you're right. Just classy, like man, off the bat. Yeah. Um, I, I had, I had one. I have one, and then I have a couple of runners up. You mentioned one, one of the runners up I had was when Rebecca said you could always see through my facade of gaiety, and she's that. like crying and everything. Um, the, another one of my runners up when they bring Rebecca into the back office so Sam can explain why he left, and he says, you know, I have to, I have to explain myself. You know, see, when I left you at the hotel, I thought there was a fire. Yeah, <laughs> and that's his excuse <laughs> for jumping out the window and leaving her. Um, yeah. and and like, see, like he starts laughing at his own joke, like he thinks it's funny, and he just like Diane gives him the look, and he's like, okay, okay, seriously. Um, but for me, the funniest bit, and I I think it's probably it gets the funniest line from the studio audience, or the funniest laugh from the studio audience too. They loved it because it's set up so perfectly. Is when Diane realizes that Rebecca is going to make her move on Sam. She hits her. She hits her off. At the, she cuts her off at the pass. She goes to the bar. And she says, "Sam, this woman is a friend of mine. She's in a very bad place right now. Whatever she asks you to do, just say no." So she coaches him to just say no. So then Rebecca goes up and propo- and propositions Sam. But the way she phrases it, she says, "Would you object to an <laughs> like a night of unbridled <laughs> animal passion?" And Sam looks back at Diane and then looks back at Rebecca and goes, "No," <laughs> and it's like. Perfect setup. And then it's punctuated again because he goes, what's your name? And she asks, does it matter? And he kind of smiles like, no. <laughs> and he goes off with her. It's just Hashtag a, brilliant. Exactly. It's such a wonderful moment. I love that. So, yeah, yeah, it's a, it's a great episode. And Ashford, I'm glad you were on this episode to help me talk about it. Uh, where else can people find you online or what other podcasts would you like to, to plug before we go? So, you know, if you're not a, an Apple person or you're not a Google Play person or a Stitcher radio person, any of that stuff, one universal umbrella is you could go to writesonnetwork.com. That's W-R-I-G-H-T on network.com. And you can listen to me and some others talk about Seinfeld. It's called The Four Who Rule. Uh, Ryan mentioned that earlier. And then, like, you know, if you're into comics and you like hearing about people talking about women kicking butts, I have this Birds of Prey podcast called feathers and foes and then you know if you're into doctor who um i have a podcast called straight out of gallifrey and we talk about those doctor who episodes that feature other time lords and time ladies and if you just like heroes we have a uh, a podcast called the bad girl podcast and it's with cassandra kane because she's just awesome so uh give us a listen all right 
very, very cool. Thank you once again for being on the show. Listeners, as always, thank you very much for tuning in. You can support the show on Facebook and on Twitter, and you can leave a comment on the Fire and Water website, which is fireandwaterpodcast.com. Until next episode, we're closed. Kidding you. Nothing happened, all right? He compounded by lying. No, no lie, I swear, nothing happened. You mean Rebecca came to her senses? No. No, I I stopped. Oh, I get it. You got angry because she considered you nothing but a stud service. No, I like that. <laughs> problem was that I couldn't shut her up. Now, no offense, but your friend is very boring. She's depressing and she's long-winded. I mean, those dismal Russian poems, I mean, they don't even rhyme. <laughs> After listening to two hours with a frostbite and famine, I decided to get my balalaikas out of there. You turned a woman down? Yeah. yeah. I mean, here I am all primed for a wonderful afternoon. You can't admit the truth, can you? Uh, what, what? What? What is the truth? Decency finally won out. You did the right thing. You were noble. No, no, I was bored. <laughs>